found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. All right, welcome back everyone to the Winding Road Podcast. This is Isaac and Jason again. And uh, today we're just going to dive into some more topics that whatever comes to our head like we have been. Thanks for joining us again. And um, what's on your mind tonight, Jason? Tonight, I'm looking at my new dash cam that I recently received. Mm. And I didn't realize that when I looked at it, I looked, I thought it was going to be one of those like hardwired ones, but it, it turned out to be, you know, cigarette lighter one. Um I didn't really want the wires hanging around. I like to keep everything kind of like minimalistic and clean looking. It's a Rove R2 4K. Pretty cool. Looks like it does a lot of good stuff. Um, and then I recently looked online and found like a, a, a Rove specific um, hard wire kit, which I got. And I'll, I want to discuss something else about that later. But that um, and then I needed a memory card that. Okay. Um, the thing the thing that's cool about the hardwire kit is that it'll stay on um, when the vehicle switched off. So like if you're in a parking lot and you can kind of monitor things, mm-hmm. um, there's an app for it. Um, but the interesting thing was I got this kit like two days ago and, I op- and it looked like the box had been worn or something. something something's weird here. What's going on? So I opened it up. And there was all the hardware stuff was there, like the wires and all that stuff. But there was there was things that were, were missing, like like the cable hiding clips, the zip ties, um, hmm. the trim prying tool, uh, and then there was this like electrical thing that you can find which circuits hot, you know, um, so you can locate what fuse you want to use. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, what? Like, this is weird. You know, I could probably, I thought to myself, I can probably use this because like hardware looks like it's here, but things are are clearly missing. Yeah. So then I thought to myself, like, well, you know, I bought this item. I want it to be correct. So my wife, um, she had got it for me. So she got on the Amazon and um, whatever you say, missing parts or whatever. And they sent another, and they're new one out the next day. This came today. It's like, we did this yesterday. It's crazy. Um, and I opened that box and it, you know, brand new box, clearly not tampered with. Um, and it had all the things that I was missing, including a very pretty detail oriented, um, instructions. Okay. So, so I'm glad that I had made the decision to, you know, return it. Um, but I'm excited for it. Dash cams are cool. I think, um, especially if you're going on like a drive or something and you want to kind of re- we live that or post it or share with friends, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always kind of wanted one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just leery about the installation because I really don't want to damage anything. I don't, I don't even want to da- like have any, like um, even to like the corners of the headliner or whatever, like something so minuscule. I do not want to damage anything, but I also want it to look right. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess got to find a, good amount of time within a day that's not like super cold or whatever to kind of mess with that. Um, but knowing that I have that um, kit in hand, I'm thinking about at least in the, in the like right now, just using that 
cigarette lighter just so I can run the run the um the dash cam a little bit yeah. until I get a chance to set it up properly. Yeah. But uh but that's one thing I'm excited about. Um is that front and rear or just the front? No, that's just the front, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um I know some of them like I don't really know much about them honestly. I have really haven't done much research because it's one of those things that I wanted but I never really would get for myself. Mm -hmm. Um and my wife got it for me as a Christmas present. She's not really, she knows nothing about cars. So I didn't expect anything like out of control, you know, but I'm happy to have this one. Yeah. But I know, so, I know some of them have, you know, you can get a rear facing, front facing. I know some of them like, uh, I think, um, you know, can view the driver. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. but, I think it's one of the good brands uh, of the little bit I know of, of dash cams. I feel like that's one of the, um, better known brands in the in that market it seems i mean you know i did a little research after i got it uh and it seems like it got some decent reviews so yeah so we'll see see what happens with it mm -hmm. i like the fact that you can kind of record things and i'm not sure if you can remote into it i think that'd be really cool if you can like if you're say your car is at a shop or something and you just want to like touch base see what's going on with it i don't know if that's possible that that'd be a cool thing to have that's probably top of my list for one week into uh, having the car back, um, which is another thing I'm excited about. Still smells like, it smells like paint, like lacquer or something mm -hmm. on the in, on the inside, which I'm actually getting used to. It's kind of a good smell to me. <laughs> Maybe we should start marketing that. Yeah. Paint smell, like, air, air freshener. It's like gasoline, burnt rubber. Yeah. Freshly painted car. Yes. Add that one to the list. But it's uh yeah, that's so well. Cool. Yes, yes. It's hard to find. It's hard to find in candles at least. I spent a long time trying to find racing <laughs> fuel candles. Found mixed reviews, but Yeah. How about you? What's going on with you? Not much. Um on the way home, I was just about home and I thought there was a something that happened that made me want to rant about bad driving techniques and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. But without ranting too much, we all have the examples of people doing stupid stuff that annoys us or that is dangerous or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I've picked up from being a motorcyclist was looking out for things and, and anticipating what other drivers are going to do sure. and thinking ahead and what potential repercussions could be, even though they usually don't happen. Mm -hmm. One of the things that happens occasionally on the main road getting to my house is there's it's like a T intersection and it's a main road which has a lot of highway or not a lot of highway, a lot of traffic. And it's mm -hmm. like hard to if you're on the T road, it's hard to pull out. You'll have cars that like crest the hill and all of a sudden they're like, you know, within braking distance to the intersection. And the other direction is also hard. And most people are turning left, so they have to cross the one lane of traffic to get to whatever. Mm -hmm. So occasionally during like rush hour, people thinking they're being kind and courteous. If you're in the main lane of traffic on the main road that doesn't stop, it's a 45 mile an hour speed, speed zone. They, if they're turning to turn left onto this road and slowing down, sometimes you'll have people stop when there's no oncoming traffic, they'll stop on the main road to let people out that are turning onto the main road. Mm -hmm. 
And that just bugs me because if you have no reason to stop, you are on the main road, you should not be stopping because potentially if someone mm-hmm. behind you is not paying, paying attention, sure, expecting right. it, you can get rear-ended. Several mm-hmm. other people could get rear-ended. It's mm-hmm. shortly before this intersection, a blind crest or like a, a it's a little bit mm-hmm. downhill. So you're coming over a crest, like mm-hmm. just to let one person out, I'm sorry, they can wait. You mm-hmm. did not stop a flow of traffic to let someone out to be courteous. Now, mm-hmm. if you, it is all also common to have to stop for oncoming traffic before you make that left turn. And in that case, okay, while I still don't like it, I can understand you letting a couple of people out because they've probably been waiting there for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. but do not come to a stop if you do not have to on a main road. It's just a potential safety hazard that doesn't need to be. Right, exactly. I understand, yeah. That's where my rant ends. I'll be done now. Well, especially when it's like, you know, a potential hazard, like you said, when people aren't expecting it because um, there's a lot of distracted drivers out there for sure. Yeah. That stinks. <laughs> it's, a, it's a frustrating way to end your commute home. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the worst part of it is like, he was turning, he was the only car in front of me. And as soon as he turned, I could open it up and just go. Like there's a couple of, like there's a quick right left and then there's a straight section and then another right corner. Like it's just great, especially during the summer with the, my summer tires to mm. just go and enjoy the curves. But he lets this guy out and it's, you know. The worst is when like I was driving, what was I doing? I was I driving to work? Yeah, I was driving to work and it's, you know, two lane highway, one lane each direction. And it, it's, there was traffic. So like we weren't really going too fast. And it's so like, I decided to let somebody in. Like I didn't stop or anything like that, but I, you know, as I, as I was approaching, I flashed my lights, let them come in. So they came in and then like the next block, like 600 feet later, this person needed to turn left. So, and then, <laughs> so she stopped and I was sitting there for like oh. five, five minutes waiting for her to be able to turn left. I'm like, my luck. I let the one person in who needed to turn left in like, in like 500 feet. Yeah. So that I was like, Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I'll try and do a nice thing in the morning. That made me think of one of the other thing that is a huge pet peeve is you'll be going, you'll be minding your business going down this road and there's, say no one behind you, it's just you by yourself. And there's this car waiting to pull out and they pull out in front of you with somewhat enough time. And then they make the next turn. Right. You're really telling me you couldn't wait until I passed you so that you didn't impede my flow just because you wanted to not wait any longer. Like, right. If there was six, eight cars behind me, okay, maybe you don't want to wait for those eight cars to pass you. But if you're making a turn, I'm sorry, within the next half mile, you can wait. Come on. Well, don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And the, other, the other thing, like, you know, that's annoying in itself. But how about when someone does the same thing like, in an unsafe manner? Like you're like you're literally like the one car there and they'll pull out like right in front of you mm-hmm. or like turn right at right in front of you. And you're just like, why? Like, I was like, I just need to just let me go right past you and then do your like yeah. nonsense oh. silliness. Real, real silly mm-hmm. on the road sometimes. Yeah. Hey, listen, we got some snow recently. We did. And I know that you've been excited itching to try out those snow tires. So I want to hear a little bit about that. It's going away too fast. It's going to like half of it's going to be melted tomorrow. Um, So since our last podcast, uh, we got it's it snowed from Friday night into Saturday morning. 
and it was perfect because by the time I got up in the morning, did some things, the snow was still kind of falling, but not accumulating. And we had gotten probably close to five inches and I had nothing else to do the rest of the day. I could just do whatever I wanted. So I, I brushed off the Cayman, got it fired up. I went for a drive for about an hour and had, it was great. Um, I didn't do anything stupid like I would have done maybe 20 years ago, but I really just, you know, tried to find roads that weren't as great, but most of them were, were relatively treated and um, plowed and things like that. So there was some roads that had maybe a skim coating of snow left on them, uh, some slush here and there and things like that. But our driveway, our quarter mile long driveway had five inches of snow on it. No one had left before me. So I stopped shortly after I pulled out of my spot, like I go up a little hill and around the left-hand turn. And then we have this barn and then our neighbor is right there. And I stopped in front of the barn to take a picture of the car. When I got back in, I instantly started having second guesses about stopping to take that picture because like I went to accelerate and there was some wheel spin and the car was like kind of sliding to the, to the left a little bit, but then it went. So for a brief second, I was a little bit concerned that I was going to be stuck in my own driveway. Um, but that went fine. But that did kind of also give me the realization that I can't stop at the end of our driveway because the end of our driveway, the last like 75 feet or so is an incline where it meets the road. And if I would stop there to look for traffic, I would not have gotten out of the driveway. Even with the snow tires on? Yeah. Because the snow level was right under, it was probably half inch below the body of the car. Wow. Uh, so it was pushing through a lot. So what I did, luckily there's good sight lines for oncoming traffic on the left side and I was turning right. So that's all I had to see was the left lane. So I was watching for cars, no cars coming. I slowed down to speed where I could make the corner, but I just kept going. I didn't stop at the end of the driveway like I normally do. And um, I made it out and then continued on my way. But accelerating the weakest point, um, braking and turning and, and just stability is perfect. And it's great. Mm. And it's everything I expected. The, I think what it is, is the car is not very heavy. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is still two-wheel drive also. So there is going to be some, some inherent limitations to the traction. It's two-wheel drive? Yeah. Why was I under the impression it was all-wheel drive this whole time? I don't know. Wow, so that's, that's really impressive. Yeah. Huh. If you had all-wheel drive, that thing definitely would have gotten out of there. Yeah. And at that point, it would be similar to, like, I've gotten, so Sarah's dad has the red version of Sarah's car. I've gotten mm. that thing beached in the driveway in snow already uh, because mm. it's also a sports sedan, so it's got low ground, ground clearance. So even though it's all-wheel drive, it does have limitation limitations like stopping at the end of the driveway to check the mail. The one time I got the car beached right at the end of the driveway on snow. Um, but that doesn't have snow tires, does it? No. So mm -hmm. snow tires would help mm -hmm. a little bit. Where, where you said you stopped for the uh, photo op, mm -hmm. were you, like, were you on an incline or anything there? It was basically flat. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm impressed so. that, that you're out there driving around in a two wheel drive Porsche. Yeah. Like, you probably I got a thumbs did, up what, from a guy. He did was, you? He was driving by me. It was like a, it's like a rogue or a juke or something. 
and as uh-huh. he was going by, he gave me a thumbs up and he was waving. I'm like, yeah, nice. Know, I yeah. did also see, actually, I saw a white C7 Corvette while I was on the road. I stopped for gas, wow. and he was, I was pulling into the gas station. He was pulling out. I'm like, you get it, man. Get yeah. Corvette out on the road. Yeah, in five he inches was, of snow. <laughs> he was a fellow weirdo. I, I felt at home. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But it did great. Um, I didn't have any traction issues. Like, I could actually, I felt comfortable driving at the posted speed limit on the roads, mm-hmm. but yeah. at one point, I was on this two lane road that normally has a speed limit of 45 and some sections are 55. We were doing 25 the whole time and it was like flat and it was, the roads were fine. There was a little bit of slush and stuff like that. There's no reason we had to be doing 20 miles an hour on this road. Were were you limited by the individuals driving in front of you? Yeah, there was somebody in the, I think it was a Highlander or a RAV4 mm. at the front, and then it was another car, and then it was a truck, and then me. And then after about, because it was a six, probably a five or six mile stretch I was on. Mm-hmm. At, by the time we got to the end, there was four more cars lined up behind us. And I understand you're trying to be cautious, but if you are driving for 10 minutes and you have accumulated seven cars behind you, you're probably the person that's going slower than needs to. Right. You're definitely the bottom, bottleneck at that point. Yeah. So if you don't feel comfortable, pull over. You know, yeah. I'm not saying everyone's got to be comfortable with driving in snow or bad weather, um, but know your limitations and don't impede others. Right. Because sometimes that can cause more problems. Like if you uh, are going too slowly in a front wheel drive car and you come to a hill, mm-hmm. you're going to lose momentum and traction. And then you're stuck. You're that, you're that guy stuck halfway up the hill that everyone's got to try to maneuver around. Whereas right. if you think ahead and accelerate on the flat area to a higher speed, you can use that momentum to not slow down as much. Because you have a front-wheel drive car or a rear-wheel drive car, you know you're going to possibly have wheel spin climbing a hill in the snow. Like, think ahead. Yeah. Well, I think also most of those people who are out in – most of the people are, who are out in the snow in our front-wheel drive car probably aren't geared up to be driving in the snow right no. it's probably so and and i think that those people who aren't geared for it most likely aren't planning ahead of what you know like you know what i mean like they just don't that's not how they don't think that way driving mm-hmm. yeah um i think it's funny you get in that when i've been on the road in the snow you get like two types of drivers the ones that are too cautious and then the ones that aren't cautious enough yeah like I don't, I was driving. Did I tell you I was driving to work the other day and someone someone spun right in front of me? I don't think that we had that conversation on the podcast. I don't think so. So I'm on like a highway, you know, speed limit's 55. I'm in the right lane, and we're just approaching like an overpass bridge. And, you know, sometimes like the they they get a little slippery because they're like freeze before the road does. And this guy comes like flying up next to me in an old like Buick. Not real old, like I'm talking like 2000, and immediately goes over this thing and starts to fishtail, and then like overcorrected and fishtailed the other way. Now he's like, appro- like encroaching on my lane, so I'm I'm slowing down, and the person behind me is is in a like BMW SUV, like pretty close to me, and I'm I'm like flashing back, I'm like, oh my god, so this guy's gonna rear end me, like what the hell, this like is this crazy, and then. 
the guy kept going back and forth. Like I thought he was going to go directly into the um, into the uh, guardrail. I mean, it was it was nuts. And I don't know how he recovered. He recovered. It was insane. This guy, I if it was me to go like that out of control, I don't know if I could recover that. But this guy recovered, and I was I was thinking this guy has to pull over and like change his pants because like <laughs> a- after what he just experienced. And he just, he kept going, like, like just took off again. And I was going like 40 and I, he, I lost them. I'm like, wow. That, like uh, whoever's driving that car. Has <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just had this thought randomly yesterday or today. I remembered this thing that happened a couple of years ago. I'm not exactly, I don't remember the situation exactly, but on the same road that I commute on every day mm. as Tulane, somehow this uh, Genesis, um coop got behind me mm-hmm. or it was i was either behind it or it was behind me and so we get to the point where it's two lanes because it's an intersection with uh a four-lane highway and okay. so we're both getting onto this four-lane highway the entrance ramp is very short two lane into one so like mm-hmm. you make the left turn like together there's two turning lanes onto the ramp and then the two lanes quickly merge into one and then it's one onto the highway. And so I always kind of drag race people there, but uh-huh. we both were trying to get there first. And I think I got ahead of him because I got to jump on him at the light because everyone always sleeps at the light. Mm-hmm. But I've learned how to time it and what sequence it goes. And yeah. I know what to look for. So I got okay. him at the light and I think it irritated him because by the time we got onto the highway, he... Like I got into the right lane. It's a three lane highway at that point. He gets up around me. And then I was actually trying to get into the middle lane to pass someone. And he thought, because he was also going around me, he thought that I was trying to block him. So he went around me more. And as he, right after he passed me in the third lane, he jinked back into the middle lane to try to like, hey, I didn't like what you were doing. But he he lost control spun the car the oh rear God. end of it hit the guardrail oh shit um, like on the shoulder and then he accelerated and kept going oh my god with his bumper hanging off the car oh like he basically saved it because he just the rear end of the car hit it but it was like yeah. dented in and then wow. he kept going and like i didn't see him again oh my god but one it could have been so much worse like yeah. me and the other cars around us we were all breaking and everything we were expecting him to lose control and like hit four guardrails and do whatever like right you know mustang into <laughs> a crowd type thing yeah but it was he hit the guardrail and bounced off of it and then somehow got going again and Jeez. just i was like holy crap yeah like how do you explain that to your insurance company or do you just not claim it and now you have this big bill that you have to pay for yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it's holy sex. Lucky that like no nothing else happened, you know. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that was my uh my interesting drive into work. On that wasn't even was that Friday? No, that wasn't. Oh yeah, that was Friday morning. Yeah, mm. because it started snowing earlier than I think they anticipated, and the roads they weren't treated around here at that point. It was it was slick coming home from work that Friday night because it was falling slowly but it was enough and it was um, during rush hour. So like the road was kind of warm from the traffic mm-hmm. and uh, 
but the air temperature was cold and oh, snow yeah. was falling. So there mm -hmm. was like a glaze. It wasn't even ice. It was just a glaze. Mm -hmm. And so I'm pretty much every store I have is on this one road that I'm always on because it's, it's a third of my commute and that's where like everything happens, but there's mm -hmm. a big hill on it. It's a, it's probably a 400 foot elevation climb. Mm -hmm. And it's like people go off the road a lot. There's always telephone poles and stuff like that. And, uh, but someone went off at some point there and we had to detour around them but there was a glaze on that road and then going down the hill you kind of had to be careful but i was i felt pretty confident because while i could feel that i didn't have 100 percent traction i could also feel where the limitations were and so like okay. i was like going down the hill after i um, climbed the hill going down the hill i was like I would pump the brakes once just to kind of get a feel for where the traction is. Cause like, it's easy to lose traction accelerating up a hill. Like you just push the throttle and you lose traction. Right. But going down the hill, you want to know where your braking threshold is and things like that. That way, if you do have to stop for somebody or something happens, you can yeah. know how to plan it. And so I right. would like jab the brakes a little bit to try to feel it out. And they didn't lose traction once. So. That's probably, I think the most important thing about, having the proper tire is being able to stop because that's where I think most people, even like the SUV guys and the truck guys say, Oh, I can get through anything. Yeah. But you can't stop any better than the rest of us. If you're not properly prepared. A couple of thoughts in there that are going to go on a couple of different tangents. But the first mm -hmm. one, there is a really good YouTube channel that I watch. Um, he's a guy, he just actually moved here to the, to Utah, but he was in England um, and his, his channel is called Tire Reviews, T-Y-R-E, because of course he's in England, mm -hmm. reviews. Uh, a couple of years ago, he was at a testing facility, which it's all indoor. It's a big oval loop. Okay. And it's all indoors, temperature controlled. And he did a test of summer, all season, and winter tires. Um, studless winter tires in the dry and in the wet. Mm -hmm. And they started out at like 40 degrees or 50 degrees. And then they decreased the temperature three or four times to where it was just below freezing. And so what his, the object was to see where the crossover is between summer traction and braking when uh, all season and winter to see, you know, where one starts to lose its performance and where the other one picks up. It was mm -hmm. really interesting to see, especially if you can appreciate that, like he's really detailed about his testing. Mm -hmm. And so he did it in dry and wet. And the difference in braking, even in dry temperatures or wet and not freezing is amazing between, you know, summer and all season and winter. Like there's just a big difference. Um, and so I, I always recommend people watch that video to really get an illustration of the importance of good tires, like you said, oh, yeah. because the common misconception is like, everyone's afraid of getting stuck and not being able to get out. Right. And that's valid. And that's where all wheel drive is helpful, but safety wise, steering and braking is where you want your traction and right. all wheel drive does not help in those situations whatsoever. Mm -mm. Um, the other tangent was the big, knobby tires you see on jeeps and trucks like that they actually are suck in the snow like 
I don't know if you've ever seen those tires, but um, when I was younger, like just out of high school or in high school, someone had a truck with those kind of tires at a friend's house and it was snowing and there was like six or seven inches of snow and they got stuck mm. in a Jeep because the tires are designed to go through mud and like yeah. just gr- grip into that. And snow right. requires a right. different type of tread compound, uh. which is softer and tread design. Um, so they aren't as good as people think. Like the ironic thing is I was watching a guy plow our driveway the other, the other day and mm. he had a probably Chevy 3,500 and it was a GMC Sierra 3,500 diesel, but he had like 22 inch wheels and the big knobby off-road tires. And it just was totally wrong. For, like theoretically you want to have a nice snow tire on this truck so that you have good traction and everything. But, you know, for some reason guys that plow like to have big wheels and knobby tires because it's, you know, America. Yeah. Yeah, it looks cool on the truck. Yeah, <laughs> cause America, I like it. <laughs> I just don't get it. Yeah, no, I hear you. The other thing was, you know, we have this pretty big hill coming up to my to my condo here, and on this, like, after it snowed, like the snow had stopped. Was it the following day? Yeah, it was the wait. Was it the following? It might have been the following day. Like, sad. Like, did snow stop? Might have been Sunday. I had to go out to the store. Yeah, I think I, I think I texted you about it, mm-hmm. and I decided to take my wife's car because my my Audi had just been sitting, you know, nice and clean still, and I was like, I'm just gonna let it be, you know, just had a clear, you know, fresh coat of wax on it and everything. So I took the Honda out, and there really wasn't that much snow out anymore. Like this, like the plows had all come. This is the following day after the storm. And I had it. I had like a, a pretty interesting ride up the hill, and I was like, "Wow!" I was not expecting that at all. Like, I remember my mom had a an O one PT Cruiser, and it was actually really good in the snow, believe it or not, on regular tires. Um, and I was actually very surprised that this O six Honda Accord four cylinder has no form of traction control at all either, which mm-hmm. is a little bit surprising to me. Um, it's like it has basically no no stability control except ABS, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool because it's like you know back to regular driving like you know no nothing nothing but like it's like a pretty pretty standard driving experience without any help I guess I'd like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it just goes back to the the fact of this whole conversation is that your tires are very important mm-hmm. and. I noticed that on this card. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Hopefully, I don't know. I'm sure you'd probably like some more snow. If it's going to be cold, I want snow on the ground. I, I don't yeah. like the last week or so. Well, the week since we got the snow, the last handful of days, it's been like, you know, 12 degrees. Luckily, it hasn't been too windy. But like, I don't like winter when it's you know eight degrees and a minus six wind chill mm. and no snow like i'll take snow every day i'll shovel it but yeah i don't i don't want it to be cold and windy and no snow because then at that point okay i want to move south to where it's warmer sure but i like four seasons so that's why me I, too I, I deal with it i agree same thing quick question about something i wanted to ask earlier you said that no one had left before you. 
when you went out in the snow at your house? Left our driveway, yeah. So is that a shared driveway or is it just you guys? Yeah, so it's we live on um it's a flag lot. So like you have a long driveway and the house is at the back behind another property. But okay. the property was originally I want to say six or eight acres. And my wife used to be in horses, so they wanted to buy a property with a barn on it and with room for horses and things like that. So mm. the original property had a ranch house on it and that was it. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they subdivided it. They sold the ranch house and they sold another area of the property. And then it's our house. And so you have a main shared driveway that splits off to the first house and then it goes around a curve and then there's the original house and the barn. And then you keep going straight and our house is just past there. So yeah, mm-hmm. like it's, we have two neighbors on the same driveway. Gotcha. Every time I hear a barn, I just, I, I have like the, uh, the vision of just like a bunch of cars in there. Like that would be mm-hmm. my dream. If I ever had a barn, I would just store cars in there and just hang out and like a man cave kind of deal. Yeah, that would be cool. I would need a major renovation um to do something like that because it's really only got so it's it's set up for horses it's got uh five stalls Mm -hmm. and then like an there's a second room that's for like tractors and stuff but like you can you could put two two cars maybe three depending how big they are in the tractor area but it's a dirt floor and then in the main area it's just got a front door and a back door uh, that you can walk into, um, so you would you wouldn't really be able to do much with it. Plus, it needs mm-hmm. to be completely gutted because it housed between three and five cats for like twenty years, and now three and five cats. Yeah, they just kind of accumulated them. My my wife's family accumulated them over the years, and they kind of just lived there. They were barn cats, but the last one died like three or four years ago, and we haven't gotten any more. So now I'm sure there's just some mouse occupants out there um, wow, besides, the, besides the tractors. Yeah, we've we've had some thoughts about maybe what to do with that barn at some point. Mm-hmm. It's not high on the priority list. Right, understood. I was just curious. That's why I brought yeah. it up. It's um, a cool little thing. You could definitely do stuff with it. My wife, when she was a photographer, had thoughts of making it into a studio and an office. Mm-hmm. It definitely would have worked well for that. But... Mm. Right now, it's just vacant. Um, the other thing, it's funny how if you're mindful of how you're driving, it pisses other people off because everybody is in such a hurry. Like today, I was just, I was in no hurry. I was just, you know, wasn't like spirited driving or anything like that. I was just trying to extend the mileage in the tank. So, you know, I'm pretty far out, like you know, a football field out, maybe, maybe not that many. I forget, but like I'm approaching a red light, right? And it's the light is turning red. We're not, we're, we're going to stop at this red light. So I'm just coasting. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to speed up to the red light. So I'm just kind of coasting up there and, and people are like on your rear bumper, just like, like, why aren't you getting to this red light so we can stop? You know, <laughs> something funny that you're paying attention to, like, if you're not driving, the way people expect you to drive or the way everybody else is mm-hmm. um, people just, just get pissed off. I tend to average t- about two miles per gallon better driving my wife's car than she does. Mm-hmm. And it's just down to driving style. I mean, some of it is different tr- types of trips, but like 
she has no problems with if she gets somewhere early, she'll sit in the parking lot for 45 minutes with the car running and just idling. I'm like, no, turn the car off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or just, just driving styles too. She's not that different of a driving style for me, but she does something different. And like I was talking to you previously about hypermiling techniques that I learned when I had my TDI. Um, I still apply them because they're now ingrained in me. They're habitual. And even when I'm driving the Cayman, I still apply some of them because I'm commuting with it. So it's not like I'm trying to set lap records or anything. Yeah. Uh, so like, while it kind of seems counterintuitive, you can, you can learn techniques that can positively affect your fuel economy in all driving situations. Like you were actually doing one of them. You were, you were coasting to a stop um, preemptively instead of, instead of maintaining speed for another two or three seconds and then braking more. One, you're saving your brakes a little bit. And two, you're letting the engine end your brake down and, and slow yourself down that way you're not maintaining speed and using that little bit of extra fuel. And while it wasn't much in that situation over time, that contributes to things, you know, Mm -hmm. we're planning ahead. Like if you're, if you have, you're on a road that like undulates uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill, you can let the car coast down the hill and increase speed. And even if you're five or 10 miles and over, over the speed limit, when you go up the next hill, you use that momentum so that you don't have to use the gas as early or as much to maintain your speed going up the next hill, mm-hmm. you know, um, or like breaking downhill is the most, ca- most unproductive thing you can do because you're just wasting energy that you use for no reason. Sure. Um, but there are a lot of little techniques that I picked up yeah. on my way to getting my magical 50 miles per gallon on the one tank in my golf. Um, did he did he achieve that? Yeah, that's impressive. I, I got eight hundred and one miles on one tank. Wow! And it, it was like forty, maybe I think it was fifty point one miles per gallon. How many gallons did that tank hold? Well, it was it was a fifteen and something gallon tank. Jeez. But there's a little trick I learned on the forums that I end up filling the the fuel all the way up to the filler neck where the cap goes. And while you can't and should not do that with gasoline because of emissions, there's like charcoal canisters and, and breathers and things like that in the system yeah. that will clog up. Sure. Diesel didn't have that, or at least mine didn't. And so there was a breather to let air out in, while you're pumping fuel so they can fill quicker. But the trick was you fill it all the way to the top of that neck and you got like an extra three gallons. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because not only does it fill the neck, but a lot of people don't know this on the top of your tank, the, the filler neck doesn't go into the top of the tank. Usually it's the side of the tank or there's like a air pocket at the top of it um, to allow for expansion and stuff like that. And so by doing this trick, you force fuel to completely fill the tank and the, and the neck. And so I got an extra like three gallons on it. So, geez. Yeah. Out of 800 miles on a one tank. God, I'm happy yeah. when I get like 250. Yeah. Like nice. I, from where I was living, I could go, like, essentially I was in, you could plan it from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania 
I could dr- go all the way to, I think it was North Carolina on one tank or wow. Tennessee on one tank or uh, I don't think sh- Chicago is like a thousand miles somewhere in Indiana, like Indianapolis or something like you could cover, I mean, 800 miles is what a quarter across a quarter of the way across the country. Yeah. I'd say that. Maybe more. It's what, 3, 000, it's about 3, miles. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty impressive. On one tank of fuel. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll touch base on that one day. Isaac's hyper miling techniques to achieve 50 miles per gallon in your diesel golf (laughs) like you can really nerd out on it um and be and go overboard i i don't do anything really extreme but little little techniques you can do that don't affect your normal drive that can still have a small effect It, it all adds up sure yeah absolutely very cool i find that stuff interesting for sure probably the only person that hyper miles a cayman Probably. You're probably also <laughs> one of the few people that drive I came in in, in the snow in the snow and daily. Yeah. Like every everything just like keeps like t- checking off of the list. That yeah. that list keeps getting smaller and smaller. There's two very distinct uh groups in some of the groups I'm in uh on like Facebook and stuff like that. Like right now people are posting a lot of, oh, what are you doing about starting your car for the winter? Or, you know, what are you doing about driving your car through the winter and stuff like that? And there's two very divergent groups. One is why would you do this? It's a Porsche. They're special cars. They cannot be driven in anything except sunlight. You know, mm-hmm. my car gets stored for 12 months out of the year and only goes mm-hmm. out on days when it, you know, is perfect humidity percentage and stuff like that. I'm being over dramatic, but you understand what I'm saying. Right. I understand. And then the other group is it's a car. It's made to be driven. It's, you know, it's just like anything else. Why preserve it for the next guy to enjoy or whatever? Like, just use it as your own. Enjoy your car. And so, yeah, those that conversation is going on right now a lot of times where people will be like, you know, show your picture of your car, your, a picture of your car in the snow or or things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Or show it in storage with, like, a cover on it and yeah. up on, like, chalks because the wheels are removed so there's no flat spots. But like you, you know, you do drive it, but you also maintain it, which is an important thing. You know, there's, it's one thing to like abuse a car and just beat it up and not take care of it. If you're keeping up with the maintenance, no matter how often you drive the vehicle, it'll last you a long time, and it'll be a happier car if you just keep up with the maintenance. A lot of people's argument about not doing it is that they don't want the salt to, you know, just destroy the car. And I hear where they're coming from. But my counter argument is always, I had an O2 Golf in in 2016 when it was totaled with just under 280,000 miles on it. I saw that car underneath frequently because I've been in the car industry for a while, but that car had no body rusts underneath. Mm-hmm. The only thing that ever rusted out were a couple of bolts and nut, like torque screws and stuff like that, and one exhaust bracket. Mm-hmm. The body was rust-free. And if a Volkswagen in 2002 was engineered in such a way that it didn't rust after 280,000 miles in Northeast climate its whole life, driven year round, I think a Porsche engineered in 2006 is probably going to be okay. 
Right. Like, I'm not concerned about this car, you know, rusting out from underneath me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rusting out from underneath me. Well, I agree with you. I think that that's, yeah. you know, I think they're meant to be enjoyed. And uh, as long as you keep up with it, you know, mm-hmm. I don't see a problem with that at all. Yeah. Like people have these visions of, you know, you see old farm trucks where the fenders are rotted out and the yeah. cab corners are rotted out. And one, that's because it's old crappy steel. But two, they were farm trucks or just trucks that pe- people tend to neglect trucks more in, to begin with. Sure. Um, and they also have places where stuff builds up and doesn't get cleaned out easily. So that doesn't help anything. But a lot of cars that are unibody and stuff like that, they're designed in a way that there aren't many openings like that for things to rust out. Mm-hmm. Granted, cars can still rust, but if you take care of it and clean them regularly and things like that, it goes a long way. Yeah, I agree. I think I think you're right. Like I, I like the point about like the old school like body on frame constructed vehicles and things getting into places where they may not be visible or mm-hmm. They sit or easy to clean or easy to clean yeah yeah because even if I you think... do wash your car frequently you are not getting you don't have it on a lift and pressure washing all the different nooks and crannies that are between the body of the car and the frame like you just right. don't do that no one does that no. and so stuff just sits there and corrodes things yeah i agree um i think like to the um everyday person may not be thinking about those things I like I like to see I like to see that Cayman out in, in the snow. It's fun. I I definitely enjoy the car. I look forward to having it for a while. I'm still excited for the springtime. I'm more <laughs> of a springtime weather guy myself, but I can appreciate, you know, the snowy guys as well. So, how was your day? Anything else going on? Just excited to, you know, have this podcast underway and mm-hmm. and uh, start hearing from some listeners and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. We will have contact. Uh, outlets for you shortly we're going to have an email address and and some social media um, accounts so those will be coming your way keep an eye out for those other than that we'll see you i guess uh, next week sounds good looking forward to it